0: Welcome to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we discover our personal definition of wealth through conversations with talented and successful women who are living their version of a wealthy and meaningful life. Teresa Leftenant is owner of Reinventing Her Money, a boutique financial planning and wealth management company located on Seattle's east side. Teresa is a licensed financial advisor and certified financial planner professional.
1: Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA, SIPC. CFP and Certified Financial Planner. The Certified Financial Board of Standards Incorporated owns these certification marks in the U.S., which it awards to individuals who successfully complete CFP Board's initial and ongoing certification requirements. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for an individual. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified professional. Our guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial, Teresa Tenet, or Reinventing Her Money.
2: Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we explore how women create a meaningful and abundant life on her terms. I'm a certified financial planner, wealth advisor, author and speaker with over 30 years experience. And professional women and their partners hired me to gain the right knowledge and confidence to overcome financial challenges that are faced by women as they pursue their version of a wealthy life. A wealthy life is not just about the size of our nest egg. True wealth is found when we're pursuing our passions, exploring who we really are, expressing our inner talents, and living our personal dreams. And the mission of this show is to engage in casual yet deep conversations with experts who are exploring what it means to live a wealthy life and sharing how they're doing just that. And I reveal tips and ideas to help you have the money you need so you'll pursue your version of a wealthy life. Now, this episode is part of our financial series and our expert, sales coach Nikki Roush, She and I will be talking about how to create curiosity during sales conversations. So before I introduce Nikki, though, I want to ask, how are you doing? I know this podcast is being heard around the country, so you might be experiencing the COVID crisis in different ways. Maybe you're working just as usual. Maybe now you're not going into the office, but you're working from home. Maybe you're working fewer hours or maybe even longer hours. Perhaps you've unfortunately been laid off or you're worried that you might be laid off in the future. Perhaps you might be earning the same income or you're earning more or less. Well, regardless of your current financial circumstances, roughly a quarter of Americans say that they've lost savings and about as many have also said they've lost income. That's according to the latest COVID response tracking study conducted by the University of Chicago. According to that study, about 2 in 10 are reporting losing a job, and roughly another 2 in 10 say they have put themselves at risk of exposure to the virus by going to work. But beyond the dollars and cents impacts of the pandemic, which are so they're so important, and that, that's what I help women with. This survey found that economic the economic effects are taking a toll on Americans' mental health, with stress rising among those who report a loss of income, a loss of savings, trouble paying bills, and concerns about their investments. Now, we've talked before on the show about stress over money contributing to poor health and difficulties in relationships. Last week's podcast, we had a relationship coach on the show, and we talked about all sorts of ways to overcome disconnection in our relationships about money. But the study was found, also found that people are feeling a little more lonely than might be expected, given that some of us are having easings of restrictions in our area and businesses are reopening. But that could be because women in particularly may be still restricting their normal activities, perhaps because of their financial concerns or because they're not willing to take the risk yet of potentially exposing themselves. So what I wanted to talk about today is a way to maybe help you and help myself, of course, with whatever you're experiencing during the COVID crisis. Now, I established a gratitude practice several years ago, and it's increased my awareness and ability to see what's really going on in my life so much more. When I'm feeling stressed or down or frustrated, I can choose to see my life from the standpoint of what I do have, and expressing gratitude for those things seems to erase the pressure from the the, the life events or those things that I can't control or or ways that my life is evolving that I really don't prefer. So the power of a gratitude practice is heralded by many success experts. And it's important to realize that gratitude is actually a choice that we can make every day. Gratitude can open our mind and our heart to seeing opportunities for abundance, opportunities for change. Gratitude is a habit that we can all develop that can be very positive when it comes to pursuing your version of a wealthy life. And committing to a daily gratitude practice is a way to prime our brain for success and also enable intuition to help us. Gratitude is a tool to attract our desires and keep our brain focused on what we truly want to create in our life. Mary McCarthy, author of the book, The Gratitude Formula, she writes, quote, as you become focused and proclaim gratitude for desired outcomes that you want to experience, you will train your brain to look for possibilities, to pursue what you want, and you'll be happier and more energized throughout the day. What I find out is that If I allow others to program my attention, then I see more evidence of the things that I don't want or prefer in my life. So it's my job to program my thinking. And gratitude is the way to program positive thoughts and feelings that support whatever our desired outcome might be. So I thought I'd just give you a few quick little tips about how to establish a gratitude practice so first off in the morning that's always the best time because you wake up and your mind is fresher and you can also set an intention for the day so in the morning just read something inspiring to you maybe just for five minutes a daily spiritual passage or some book with positive affirmation and that way you're helping your brain open up to thinking optimistically then you want to think in your mind about the events or experiences and people that you truly are grateful for. And then you can speak your gratitude for those events and experiences out loud. And then next, you wanna speak out loud how grateful you are for the goals that you're pursuing, as if you're already experiencing them. You imagine yourself as if you've already completed your goals and you're feeling very grateful for those experiences. So here's an example of gratitude that I did this morning with my two workout buddies. I have a Tuesday and Saturday morning workout class online. And when we're stretching after our class, we do this gratitude practice together. So here was my gratitude. And I always close my eyes when I'm doing this because it really seems to focus in and allow me to really allow my feelings to come to the surface. So I'm happy and grateful for the two new clients that I recently joined into my business. I'm grateful for the close relationships that I have with my children and with my husband, Gordon. I'm grateful that we always laugh together and we always find ways to be dedicated to supporting each other's choices. I'm so grateful for being in such great health. And I'm grateful for my daily walks and uh, that workout that I do with my buddies twice a week. I'm happy for my beautiful home and the community I get to spend time in during this COVID crisis. And I'm also grateful for all my connections with my dear, dear friends. So that's my gratitude for people and experiences. But now I want to express my gratitude for experiencing the goals I'm pursuing as if I've already achieved them. So I am so happy and grateful to be living a truly wealthy life in all ways. I'm paying myself at least $20,000 or more each month for my business income, and that way I'm happily saving $2,000 a month for my travel account and $1,500 a month for my emergency fund. I'm so happy and grateful to welcome five or more new clients into my business every month, And I'm excited that my body weighs 140 pounds. It's strong and muscular, and I've maintained that for seven years. I'm happy and grateful for my loving and supporting marriage, where we communicate openly, we respect and accept each other. I'm happily and gratefully traveling the world, enjoying ocean views, delicious food, and learning different ways to live. I'm so happy and grateful for my wealthy, joyful, and financially free life that I create every day. See how you can feel when you express that gratitude as if you've already achieved those goals that you're looking after, that you're working so hard for. And it's important to choose words that have power as you express your gratitude. Imagine yourself excited because you truly are experiencing everything you dreamed of and worked hard for. Now, each time you speak gratitude, you create some strong new neural pathways that support you in the pursuit of your version of a wealthy life. And gratitude encourages the law of attraction, which attracts your goal toward you as you are taking steps toward it. I always remind myself that forcing and trying to make something happen can put my brain into kind of a protective mode. And that can mean that I struggle more instead of just allowing. Because I know that we all can't create a wealthy life with a negative mind. And as, wealthy, as Oprah Winfrey says, quote, be grateful for what you have and you'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never have enough. Truer words were never said. Thank you, Oprah. So if you're experiencing troubling financial circumstances during this time, I invite you to learn more about how I help women overcome 12 financial challenges unique to women. Join my mailing list to be invited to view my new video, The 7 Financial Tips to Survive COVID-19 at ReinventingHerMoney.com. All right. Moving on from gratitude to my gratitude to being able to introduce my guest today. So as CEO of SalesMaven, an organization dedicated to authentic selling, Nikki Roche has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. After 25 years of experiencing selling, uh, as sorry, 25 years of experience selling to such prestigious organizations as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hewlett-Packard and NASA, Nikki Nikki shattered sales records in many industries, receiving multiple top producer awards along the way. And today, entrepreneurs and small business owners from a wide range of disciplines hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically without being pushy or salesy. Nikki's three popular books are available on Amazon, and her podcast, Sales Maven, can be found on your favorite podcast platform.
3: So hi, Nikki. So great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today.
2: Well, I have to say first off that I am really starting to love selling because I hired you to be my coach and you have taught me so many of the elements of sales that we're going to talk about today. But let's start by letting you introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us a little about your background and your journey to opening your sales maven and you know, these
3: coaching strategies that you teach your clients. All right. Well, so as you mentioned, I have a background. A car- I was a career sales rep for many, many years. I started Sales Maven in 2013. And it really came out of this idea of, I got to spend some time around a lot of entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. I found that I love being around entrepreneurs because they're super passionate people by nature. They they have servant's hearts. They want to show up from a place and really make a difference in the world. And I just wanted to be around as many entrepreneurs as I could possibly be. And as I started meeting more and more entrepreneurs, I realized that a lot of them were struggling to make money. And mm-hmm. the struggle around making money often comes because there's a lack of understanding around the selling conversation or the process of sales. And because I'd been doing sales for so long, and in addition to sales, I also have a pretty extensive background in neuro-linguistic programming. And if that's a new term to anybody listening, it's essentially the study of communication. And so when I started meeting these entrepreneurs who were, you know, confiding in me that they were struggling financially to make money I just started helping some of them on the side, just wanting to teach them really simple skills that would make a difference to their business. And some of them were getting such great results. One in particular pulled me aside and she's like, you have got to start this as a business. Like you've got to help people do this. And SalesMaven was born out of that. And the last seven years have been some of the most fulfilling years ever because I get to spend time with people like you who are so very good and talented at their own craft the things they've spent years learning how to do, and being able to teach people things that make the sales conversation easier is just, it's thrilling to me.
2: Well, you know, as one of your clients and also an entrepreneur, I have to say that having, you know, my eyes opened up to what sales can really be in terms of our mission and purpose to serve, you know, the clients that we feel really loving about and caring about. It's just, it just makes the whole thing so much better and and so much more meaningful. So we're going to take just a short break, but when we come back, Nikki and I are going to talk about her signature process called the selling staircase. So stay with us. We'll be right back to a wealthy life for her.
3: Do you already know you need to learn a better approach to selling with confidence? Maybe you're not yet sure what areas of the sales conversation you should focus on. You're invited to schedule a live selling strength assessment with me, Nikki Roush, now to discover what's working best in your sales approach and what areas need some attention. So you can sign up for this free selling strength assessment by visiting Bitly. So this is a bit.ly link, bit.ly forward slash salesmaven, S-A-L-E-S-M-A-V-E-N.
2: I'm Teresa Leftenant. Navigating a path to increase your income is a critical part of a woman's pursuit of a wealthy life. Having a personalized financial plan gives a woman confidence that she knows where she's going and how to get there. We've all heard the saying, life is what happens when you're planning something else. We're here to help you either design your plan or revise your plan. Visit ReinventingHerMoney.com and click on contact to set up a
1: time to chat. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA, SIPC. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you.
2: Welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant and my guest, Nikki Roush, the sales maven. And we are talking about the beautiful element of entrepreneurship, which is selling. And before we get into the selling staircase, I did want to give you an opportunity to talk about, you know, um, what you told me about how you start your morning, because in the intro, I was talking about having a gratitude practice. And I wanted you to join in on that
3: conversation and add what your morning ritual is. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I loved listening to you share about this idea of gratitude. And I've been doing this for a while. So The very first thing I say to myself when I wake up in the morning, before I get out of bed, really before I even open my eyes, is I say, I love money and money loves me because I really want to get in this place of not being overly attached to money and also being okay to receive it. And then after I say, I love money and money loves me, I say, abundance and prosperity flows freely to me and I accept it with gratitude, grace, and ease And then I go through a ritual and talking about, and I tell myself, I am a wealthy woman. I am wealthy because of my relationship. I'm wealthy in my family life. I'm wealthy with my friends. I'm wealthy in my business. And so I just go through this like list of all these things where I am a wealthy woman. So that's my ritual. And I do it every morning.
2: Which, of course, is what I believe wealthy uh, living is about. It's it's about the fullness and the richness of all aspects of what's important to each individual person. So, you know, being able to wake up every morning and affirm that so beautifully. And I especially want to underscore I love money and money loves me. Because we actually do have to communicate that, uh, you know, energetically to the world if uh, we want to have that financial wealth as part of our life as well. So now we all know the person we don't want to be, Nikki, that slimy and annoying salesperson, (laughs) which, you know, I mean, I think that everybody, uh, so many people I've said, I've I've talked about sales with, they're like, well, I don't really sell. I don't like selling.
3: So tell (laughs) us, how do you explain sales? How do you get over that with people? Well, the first thing I always say is sales is something that you do with somebody, not to somebody. (laughs) So when you show up in a sales conversation and you're trying to do something to somebody that feels icky, that feels gross. And this is why when we're on the receiving end, when, when it's our money on the line, when we're the potential client or prospect and somebody treats us like a big dollar sign, it feels so bad. So a lot of times because we've had a bad sales experience with somebody, When we get in this position of now we have to sell our own services or sell our job or sell our boss on the next promotion that we want or whatever that piece of sales is for you, you get hesitant because nobody wants to be seen as pushy or aggressive or, you know, icky, frankly. And and when you can start to reframe it and really put yourself in the position of, I'm here to be of service. And my job is to help somebody get what they say they want or they need. It isn't to manipulate. It isn't to, you know, try to win one over on somebody or get the better part of the deal. That's not the goal of sales. The goal of sales is to be of service. And when you can start focusing on that, it takes the pressure off and then it allows for people to be more successful. I mean, that's such a mindset shift and it's so important.
2: Yes, and, and I think that what also uh, gives sales a bad name is the whole idea of being rejected. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I have uh, gone through sales training other than yours before, there was a you know not much help with that idea of when people say no. But when you come at it from what you're saying you know, that we're doing this together and I have an expertise and I'm uh, able to show and use my expertise to help you get what you want. That's a whole different reframe, isn't it?
3: Yeah, totally. This idea that sales and being told no is rejection is, uh, frankly, I think it's a myth. And one of the ways that I often describe this here is that, you know, if you went out and had a really beautiful meal at a restaurant and you're, you know, the waiter or waitress comes by at the end of your meal and says, "You know, would you like to see the dessert menu?" and you say, "Oh no, I couldn't possibly. I'm so full. I'm so satisfied." They don't go behind the counter and be like, can you believe that jerk? They rejected me. I offered them dessert and they said no. And the selling process is the same thing. The idea is you have to make the offer because if the person does want dessert or does want what it is that you sell, it's super satisfying to them because the flip side of if you leave a restaurant and they don't offer you dessert, you're kind of offended And so the selling process is the same way. And it really doesn't matter what you're selling or what you're offering. Your job is to offer, to be of service and let the person decide yes or no. It's not about you. It's not rejection. It's just a decision. How great is that?
2: Now that that's a new reframe for me. I'm just offering you dessert. Yeah.
3: (laughs) You can take it or leave it. So can anybody learn how to sell? Yes. I truly believe anybody can learn how to sell, and you know, I—you'll hear. You've probably heard me say this before. I don't teach people how to sell like me, really. Mm. What I do is teach people how to be more strategic in the conversation, how to build their own confidence, and how to find those things that make them like their innate version of themselves, and be more comfortable with it, and be more strategic. So you know, it's not true. And I can say from my 25 years of working with salespeople that there's one personality type that makes somebody good at sales. It's just not true because I've worked with phenomenal salespeople and all of them have very different personalities. It's just finding that thing that, that works for you and being strategic and being willing to put yourself out there.
2: And I always say, you know, we we are we are selling in various parts of our lives, even if we're not, quote, getting paid to sell. But I mean, even if you're in a, a corporate position and you have a team and you want to influence the team to move forward in a certain way, there there are aspects of selling that we're about to go into that can really be beneficial. You, We are all selling at some point in our lives. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: And I, I will also say here that I, I share this often with my clients too, is that the person who has the most flexibility in a conversation has the most influence. Yeah. So I really teach how to be more flexible in your approach and in your conversation. So like you said, if you're going to go in and sell your team on something, it's it's showing up from a place of flexibility and being ready, being prepared. But not being so rigid of it having to be like, I say this, you say that, and then I say this, that, like, that throws people off every single time.
2: Exactly. So let's get into it. Let's start, uh, you help us understand the five-step selling process, which you've named the Selling Staircase. So yep. let's
3: begin Okay. So there are five steps in the selling staircase. And my, what I teach is that it's your job to move a client from step to step to step to make it super easy for them to make a decision. Doesn't mean that the decision is always going to be yes, but we've got to get it, got to get them through the steps and make it easy for them to make a decision. So step one in the selling staircase is all about the introduction. It's about making a positive first impression. And it's about being able to clearly state what it is that you do and who you help who you support who hires you you know you did this beautifully in your bio at the beginning you talk about who are the people that hire you and you've got to do that in step one that's that introduction step and
2: so would that be considered like the elevator speech or not
3: yeah totally Absolutely, your elevator pitch. Uh, if you're at a networking event, oftentimes is the first time that people are being introduced to you. They're hearing your voice. They're often often seeing you for the first time, and more importantly, they get they get an idea based on what you say of who you are. And again, who do you make an impact with? Who who are your who are your ideal clients? So, and introduction. I- step one.
2: And of course, nowadays, we do really want to be specific about who we serve. Uh, for instance, for me, I serve professional women. And that's be- so that I can get really clear about what they need, so that I'm not trying to figure out what everybody needs, but just that specific group of, of women.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay, step two. Okay, so step two is all about creating curiosity. And the idea of creating curiosity is to make it really easy for people to start to identify like, oh, I'd like to know more about what you're saying or not interested. Let's change the subject or let's end the conversation. But if you're not making an effort to create some curiosity, oftentimes you're missing out on an opportunity to work with your ideal client because they don't know yet whether or not they want to take that next step with you. So creating curiosity is crucial in the selling process.
2: And I have, I'm in, engaged with a, uh, a selling situation with a, uh, the, anyway, with a, with a salesman who wants to sell me a car. And he keeps trying to tell me what I should buy instead of creating any kind of curiosity, which makes me want to disengage.
3: Yes. I always say, hey, vote with your wallet. Like, do not give your money to people who are not doing a good job of selling in a way that feels good to you. And, you know, frankly, if a salesperson is trying to force their agenda on you, I I would be nervous. I would run, frankly, run in yeah. the other direction.
2: It's it's frustrating to <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyway, so so you want to create curiosity. So what are some of the most common ways that people that a salesperson or a woman could do
3: that? Yeah. So creating curiosity is often I compare it to the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. Ah. okay. so I know this sounds a little out there. That's okay. Bear with me for just one second. So when you show up in a conversation or I guess I really should say when you want to get your dog's attention, oftentimes we go into this like really excited mode. Right. It becomes this like, come here, boy, come here or let's go do let's go for a walk, you know, whatever it is. And dogs get really excited about that. But unfortunately, sometimes when we're really excited about our business or talking to an ideal client, we show up with what I call dog calling energy. And Uh we're so excited to tell this person about what we do and how we can help them that we tend to word vomit all over them. We say way too much and then they get turned off. They go like, I'm not a dog. I don't really respond to that kind of energy. So the flip side of it is to show up with what I call catcalling energy and create here kitty kitty statements. We want to draw people in. We want to say just enough in the conversation for them to go, Oh, tell me more about that. Or, Oh, that's so interesting. I wonder if I could benefit from that in some way. So An example of how to look for opportunities to create Here Kitty Kitty Statement is something as simple as how do you answer really basic questions? For instance, oftentimes we get asked all the time, like someone sees you, hasn't seen you for a while, and they go, Teresa, how are you? Like, what's new with you, right? I want you to have a curiosity creating statement to that and it could be anything you want to talk about that's related to your business or frankly, it could be anything you want to talk about. but you just want to give like a, a one sentence, maybe two, three at the most, anything more than three sentences in your word vomiting. But like you might say to them, oh, I've been great. you know, I just created this brand new training that's available for my listeners. Like somebody's gonna go like, what's the training about or what does that mean?" or what do you mean listeners? Well, now you have the opportunity to talk about your show, you have an opportunity to talk about the training that you created and it gets an idea for the person to go like, oh, well maybe I would like to take this training or oh, I wanna listen to your show. So it's an opportunity to open that door to start to talk about it just by a simple, like the way that you respond to how are you or what brought you here today or you know any of those really basic everyday questions that we all get asked.
2: You know, step one and step two is how you set you, you can really set the stage for the next three steps, which are, you know, more meaty in terms of uh, describing what you do and helping a person, but really being able to describe what you do and who it's for and then create that curiosity. That's really powerful, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is a game changer for my clients that get really good at it. Right, exactly. Okay, so step three in this selling staircase. Step three is the discovery process. Some people refer to this as the consultation call too. So whatever you call it, I call it discovery. You can call it whatever you want to. But the idea here is we've created some curiosity. Somebody has given us some indication they're interested to know more. We invite them to whatever the next step is, which is often that discovery process. So your job in the discovery is to ask Leading questions to help the person self-identify that they are a potential client or not. So it's super important that you don't ask one of the. Um, I I'll share this because I know based on the industry that you're in, having worked with a lot of financial planners um, in my career, oftentimes I find that the questions they ask in the discovery process, they don't really need the answer to those until the person hires them. And so it's a wasted opportunity to actually earn the person's business and the discovery. So instead, your job is to really ask those questions that lead people down the path to going like, oh, you know something that I could use or, oh, that, that's not something I thought of. And like, oh, I'd like to know more about that or, oh, maybe I need to hire you and work with you. So make sure that you ask questions that really lead people down that path. So one, you know, just an example in my own business is, you know, when somebody's calling me and we're in the discovery process, I never ask them questions about like, do you have a CRM to manage your client list because I don't need to know that until they hire me. But what I do need to know is, do you know how to create curiosity when you're talking about your business? Mm-hmm. I ask that question because that's a key thing that I offer to my clients. So think about what are the key things you offer to your, to the people that you want to work with and ask questions around that.
2: So, you know, it's in my case, it could be, do you know how much money it will require for you to retire in 10 years?
3: Yes. Because if they say no to that question, well, now they might be interested to know what's the answer. And guess who knows the answer to that? You. You and right. you can show them or lay it out for them or give them the plan. So, yes, absolutely that's a great question for you to ask.
2: So, you're just setting yourself up for for them to really be able to see how you might fit together, their what they know or don't know and then how you can then then you can provide it to them, which is the next step, right?
3: Yeah. So once you've done a great discovery step or, you know, gone through the discovery, the next step is the proposal step. So this step is an opportunity to lay out a way that you're going to work with this person or potentially work with this person. And how you move somebody from discovery to proposal is that you ask permission. Mm-hmm. So the, the mistake that often gets made here in the discovery process is you ask somebody a question, they answer it, and then you go right into sales mode. And then you sell for a while, then you ask another question, you go into sales mode again. That, that's a huge mistake. You actually shouldn't be selling during the discovery part of the conversation. So instead, one of the ways to ask permission and move somebody is to say, you know, based on what we've talked about, I do see some ways that we might work together. Would you be interested in knowing more about that? And then you wait and see what they say. More than likely, they're going to say yes. Yes. Well, now your job in the proposal is to just clearly lay out a really simple solution of how they can get their need met, their want, their desire, based on what they've shared in the discovery. So lay out this really clear proposal.
2: And the proposal may have, when you say simple, that's what I really wanted to hear is, okay. is that what if you have a really complex um, set of solutions like I do, um, yeah. you know, do you find that it's much better just to be really simple with one or
3: two solutions? My suggestion is even if you have a myriad of options for them, you never offer more than three. Mm-hmm. Your job in the selling staircase and your job in sales is to be the expert. Like, frankly, We only want to hire people who are really good at what they do. And so you have to stand in your place of credibility and authority, and you have to recommend what this person needs. And based on your myriad of services, if you have one service that is the ideal solution solver for them, then recommend that. And the important thing I'm going to say here is your job is to recommend what the client needs, not what you think they can afford. And there is a difference between those two things. So don't project any limiting beliefs about what they can afford or what they're willing to invest. You know, also don't recommend a solution to them that's a $50,000 solution when a $5,000 solution is going to solve their problem because now you're out of integrity. So just make sure you recommend what they need. And if you have three options that work for them, that's okay to lay three options out, but you cannot lay out more than three. Otherwise you'll often, I say you're muddying the water You'll confuse them. You'll cause them to go into decision fatigue. They won't be able to make a decision. They'll feel overwhelmed. It's just too much. So you be the expert and you recommend what they need.
2: To become a really good salesperson, there's a lot of nuances. There's some details, which is why it's important to get some sales training. So we're going to take another little break here. But when we come back, I want to be able to talk about the final phase, step five. And then I want to talk a little more about Pricing and some of the other, you know, challenges that you find with the people that you work with. So, stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back to A Wealthy Life for Her.
0: Are you struggling to close sales? Download Nikki Rausch's ebook, Closing the Sales simple tips to increase your confidence now by going to yoursalesmaven.com slash wealthy life. You'll be shown a step-by-step approach to gain confidence and sell more. Get it now at yoursalesmaven.com slash wealthy life. Teresa Lieutenant encourages women to talk openly about money by providing virtual and
2: live talking circles where members come together in a spirit of trust, respect, and mutual support. Reinventing Her Money also provides financial education workshops,
0: webinars, speaking events, and transformational experiences to companies and organizations. If your group would like Tracy Lieutenant to speak or facilitate a
2: financial topic for your women's group, learn more at reinventinghermoney.com.
1: Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150.
2: Welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant. My guest, Nikki Roush, is a sales coach. She's an author. She's a podcast host. She's a, a webinar teacher extraordinaire. So what we're talking about is the selling staircase and the steps to, you know, learning and creating better sales results in your business or even in your life. All right. So what we're on now, Nikki, is step five, which is the
3: close. That's right. You always got to get to the close. If you don't get to the close, you'll never know if this is a client or not. So you've just laid out a great proposal Now your job is to issue what I call closed language. You have to get the language out of your mouth. You can't just lay out a proposal and be like, here's three options, and then wait. You have to say, here are the three options, explain them, and then say, based on those three options, which is the best fit for you right now? And then you wait. So you have to issue that closed language, and it might sound a little different based on what you're recommending. It could be that you have one solution and you go, you might say, closed language in this particular case might be, here's the offer, here's what it is, you know, lay it out clear and then say, is that something you'd like to move forward with? And then you wait. You have to zip it and wait and let the client respond. Oftentimes when people get nervous in the close, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so awkward to, you know, issue clothes language. So what we do is we do what's called selling past the close. We keep talking and we never give the person an opportunity to make a decision. So this is why once you've issued that close language, your job is to just zip it and wait and see what they say next.
2: And of course, giving the client an opportunity to think about it, because my experience is we're delivering a lot of new information. And so rushing can often work against us. And, you know, what are some of the things that people object to, even when you deliver just the very best presentation you possibly can?
3: Well, one possible objection is that they need to think about it right? Like that's sometimes people, I, I don't actually think of that as an objection, but it's one that people often think, oh, well, that's their way of blowing me off. And I actually have a answer when somebody says, okay, I want to think about this. My response, and this is what I teach my clients too, is to say, great, about how much time do you think you'll need? Let's go ahead and schedule a circle back call. That way I can answer any additional questions that come to mind for you. And we can talk about next steps as far as working together. And then we get it scheduled on our calendars so that it gives the client time to really think about it because now they have a set time to think about it. It could be two days. It could be a week, whatever it is. So you get back on the call with them. And now once you get back on the call with them on that circle back call, like they're usually ready. Most of the time they're ready to make a decision. They could maybe still say like, you know, I haven't quite decided yet then, you know, there's some other things that you might do here. But when somebody says, I want to think about it, do not just say, oh, okay, well, let me know. Because they won't let you know. And it isn't necessarily because they don't want to work with you. Often, it's because you just told them to add something to their to-do list, which is to let you know. (laughs) And, Most of us die with a to-do list undone, right? So (laughs) how are you ever going to move up their to-do list when all these other priorities are like, you know, vying for their attention every single day? Um, So give it like, make it super easy for them. Don't give them a chore to their to-do list. Give them something on their calendar. And then, and then now we are going to increase our chances of success of earning their business. So what do you think about um, asking them, can
2: I answer any of your questions?
3: So one of the ways that I might frame that is I would say, now, before we end the call, is there any additional information that would be useful for you to know?
2: That's an excellent way to do it because you are, I think, do you have any questions can be sort of, I don't know,
3: difficult Well, yeah, it is because it's a yes, no question, first of all. And when you're asking somebody, do you have any questions? Inadvertently, this is this isn't necessarily your intention. But what you're saying to that person is, tell me what you don't know. And some people don't like to admit that they don't know something like it feels awkward and uncomfortable. So another way to frame, like instead of just even saying, do you have any questions? And again, this is something I teach my clients to say is what questions come to mind so far? Mm. Because I'm not implying that you don't know anything. And I'm not even implying that you have a question. I'm just giving your brain an opportunity to supply you with an answer to a really easy question, which are what questions come to mind so far. Now you might say none, the, you know, the prospect might say none, or they might say, "Well, actually," and whatever that well actually thing that's going to they're going to say after that, oftentimes that's the question they need to have answered in order for you to earn their business. My coach used to always say, or he still says this all the time, but he always says, you know, most people are one question away from hiring you. Mm -hmm. Your job is to give them the opportunity to, to ask that question. So make sure you're giving them the opportunity to ask the question, but do it in a way that is really going to serve them.
2: So, you know, there's always that circumstance where you're doing your best and you find out in the proposal that maybe this prospect is not going to be a good client mm-hmm. help us with some language about uh dis, you know stopping a relationship or deciding not to move forward with a relationship
3: yeah mm-hmm. That's one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is that we get to decide who our ideal clients are, and we also get to do we also get to respectfully decline working with people who aren't a good fit. So, uh, it's funny that you're asking me this because I feel like this has been a really hot topic with my clients in the last two weeks. Wow. Um, I've been answering answering this question and giving them language suggestions around it. So, one of the things you might say is you know, after, after chatting with you, I get a sense that I'm not the best fit for you. I appreciate this time that you've given me and I wish you well. And so I'm going to just respectfully decline that this is just not the right fit, but thank you so much for your time.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, a few months ago, I had that circumstance where I was all the way through the presentation before I realized that the, um, that the disconnection in the money conversation between the couple was just going to be, you know, a little bit overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. So I did just say literally that. And I know it can be very awkward, but I think it's important to know that uh, we get to choose, at least if we're an entrepreneur who, you know, because that's the success of the relationship for them, as well as for us.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing worse than bringing on a client who you know is probably not a good fit and then having them be disappointed in you or in, in your service in some way, not because you didn't deliver on what you would, you know, deliver at a really high level for your clients, but frankly, just because they're not a good fit. So again, it's your job to be the expert and it's also, and when, when you're being the expert, sometimes that's saying to somebody, this is not the right fit. Mm-hmm. And if they want to push back and say, well, I don't understand why, you know, I'm not the right fit, like it's not again, it's not personal. And it's just to say, you know, I just get a sense that, you know, we're not in alignment. And I I feel like I don't think I could do you, I could do you service. Like I couldn't be the deliver to you the service that I know is super important to my clients. So again, I just, I wish you well, and I'm just going to respectfully decline. You don't need to give a lot of story. You don't need to say like, well, it's because you said this and because you did that. And because, you know, you came from someplace that I don't understand, or like, you don't need a bunch of story. Just be really clear, be kind, but be very clear.
2: I think people respect that if you have, you know, if you're um, respectfully showing, you know, what you need and what your boundaries are. So you are such a great educator, and that's something that I want you to tell us more about how people can engage with you. But you know, you realize that learning how to sell is such a need uh, out there. So tell us how you, you know, teach your webinars. Tell us all about your education programs.
3: Okay, so. Well, I primarily work with my clients online now. So I have a sales maven society, which is my membership platform. I work with my clients. I also work with clients one-on-one from a coaching standpoint. And, um, and we primarily do this over zoom nowadays. So I used to do some in-person stuff and then I teach workshops. I teach masterclasses. I just actually finished one this morning. It was a three-part masterclass and it was taught over Zoom. And the reason that I have moved to Zoom, I actually did this prior to COVID, but I moved to this because I found that there were people who wanted to attend the trainings and work with me that were outside of Washington state. So now I actually have clients around the world, which is, you know, I'm super honored that people around the world want to work with me. And so yeah, so I teach pretty much everything over zoom.
2: That's the, and I'm a member of the sales maven society. And I've been a VIP client. And for the listeners, I can't um, recommend her enough. So please tell us how people can get in touch with you where unfortunately, time flies when you're having a good time.
3: So the best way to get in touch with me is to visit my website, go to yoursalesmaven.com and you'll find the services that I offer there. There's a contact me button. I'm super easy to find on social media. If you're on LinkedIn, you can find me under Nikki Roush. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, you can find me under Your Sales Maven. So I would be happy to connect with somebody who has a question or wants to share a takeaway from today.
2: Fabulous. Thank you so much for being on our show today, being my guest, Nikki. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm so also excited about next week. Our guest is going to be Aaron Papworth, CEO and founder of Nav.it, which is a financial app which is building an inclusive conversation around money. And we'll be sharing healthy strategies to grow wealth that include an empowered money mindset with an action oriented, financial health action plan so i look forward to seeing you here next week and i want to thank you for listening and being part of our wealthy life for her mission i know you have many shows and podcasts to choose from and i'm always grateful you choose ours so if you enjoyed yourself please share the show with your friends and family i also thank alexis lieutenant gregory who composed our theme music Eric Burris, my producer, the support staff at Financial Advocates and everyone at KKNW 1150 AM. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube under Teresa, T-R-E-S-A, Lieutenant, and check out all of our resources on reinventinghermoney.com. Remember, financial independence is your birthright. With the right education and empowerment and the right financial advice, you can overcome your financial challenges and create a wealthy life on your terms. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.
1: Teresa Leftenant believes that women deserve to reinvent their financial lives from avoidance and confusion to clarity and commitment by creating a wealthy money mindset and informed financial planning skill set. Without an understanding of their early money programming, women will continue to create the same unwanted financial circumstances. If you truly want to change your relationship and results with money, you must face what you really think and feel about money and transform it. Ready to change your mind about money? Visit ReinventingHerMoney.com to schedule a chat with Teresa. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC.
0: Teresa is founder of Reinventing Her Money and author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Available on Amazon, she is a certified financial planner and wealth advisor for professional women who aspire to a wealthy and financially independent life. Learn more at ReinventingHerMoney.com.